Left an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast label and launchpad for left of center artists and art and all things creative. My name is Rain Phoenix. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. Today's very special guest is Kevin Drew of Broken Social Scene. Welcome into the show. I know you're a musician and you've been in rather loved band throughout the years and that you've just made an instrumental record. I'm a huge fan of instrumental music, not yeah. the obvious things being Brian Eno, Harold Budd, like things that, but there was a band in Gainesville, Florida, where I'm from the Mercury program. You may have heard of them. They became yeah. kind of well-known and they were only music. And um, actually the drummer became my drummer for many years. And I always loved that. But, you know, I tend to gravitate, to that because I'm one of those people who when I work or whatever I'm doing, if there's words going on, it distracts right. me. I, but music alone, I'm like, yeah, I can do this together. <laughs> I can work it's on this thing. soundtrack. Yes. And you want, sounds like that's what you want. Yeah. We all want, we all want a soundtrack. We're all directing our own movies. Yeah. So we choose our soundtracks in life. And for me, I did start sort of in the instrumental world. I'm turning 45. I've been really just sitting in that for the last few years. I just, I just went all in. I said, forget it. I'm going to get down with the cosmos and I'm going to go all in. And all that ended up happening was is that I just went back home. That was it. I just went back home. And when I went back home, I went back to my youth. And when I went back to my youth, I went back to soundtracks and instrumental music. Mm. I started off with a band named Casey Accidental with a gentleman named Charles Spearin, who at the same time was in this band, Do Make Say Think, who is pretty much my favorite band out there, uh, even though I know them, but that's how transcending it is to me. I don't think of them when I listen to the music, which is always, as you know, if you forget about your friends when you're watching a film or a play, if you don't think about how you know them in their relationship, then you are, you are really absorbing in what their art is. Mm -hmm. So coming back and doing this was just as silly as it sounds, but it was just like, wow, I feel like I'm just back home. So that's why I made this record instrument. Well, there's many reasons in how it came together, but it's very simple because I do, like you, love the soundtrack. I had a band with Charles Casey Accidental and we made two instrumental records. One of the songs had some singing. And we joined them together and it was called uh, Anthems for the Kudavin Pills and Captured Anthems for an Empty Bathtub and we put them together. And the first Broken Social Scene record was uh, all instrumental except at the time there was a singer named Feist that I loved and Brendan had just finished dating and I, got, I, just, I just said to him, please, can we work with her? Can we work with her? And this is before she, um, this was in 99, 2000. So she sang on that album. And then my dear grandmother and her boyfriend both passed. They sang on the record. I love a concept. Gotta love a concept. On every record that I make, it's a concept record somehow. That's mm -hmm. the only way I can get through it is it like has to have a meaning at first. And mm -hmm. then I craft around it, whatever. So it seems like even in how you talk about the bands you've been in or the bands you've created or the people you brought on, like all of it is like part of the bigger story that you're weaving, maybe in real time, not that you've 
predestined it or anything, but. There's a record that we just, I just made with a, a couple of artists out of Toronto named Zoom and Status Non-Status. And they came together and asked if I would be involved. And I walked in and I wrote down, do it for the once child. I don't know why I wrote it, but that was it. And it kind of just, the once child just kept circling for me while I was working with them. And I realized it was a mantra of mine. I, I know with uh, certain albums, we came in and I think it's always good to have something you're following. I've never really done a concept album, but they're always the concept of what my surroundings are, what I'm dragging around in the wheelbarrow that I have at that present moment with who I choose and what I choose to be with. But my success, just so you know, and how I'm on your show, it's by committee, it's with people. I'm not successful on my own. My success came from surrounding myself with extremely talented people, adding to that talent with them, getting on stage and strength in numbers. I could never turn to you and say all of this that I have, I did on my own. It's not the case at all. I'm a huge believer in people and I'm a huge believer in working with people and having to deal with the shadows of compromise and all that shit that you have to deal with. But when you have a goal that you can get together on and go down that middle part together and just excuse all the noise. That's one of the greatest achievements ever. So yeah. Wow. So you're like a real collaborator. I love that. I mean, I, I own a label, so I see it firsthand and uh, with my successes, I, I, I've had more failures than success, but you wouldn't know that or people don't know that, or it's just presumed you don't. And it was, it, we're coming up, arts and crafts is coming up on, you know, 18 years and, and wow. I have to turn to the staff over those 18 years. You know, as you get older, you get more mature or you get more relaxed or you just don't give a fuck anymore, whatever it is in the aisle of what you need to go and purchase. That is how it sort of happened for me. I was able to see things not work. And I was able to talk to parents of artists who look at me and say, why didn't that work? And I have people telling me, well, it's pure market rejection. And I have to deal with these lives in front of me and say, well, pure market rejection doesn't work for my language to try to talk to somebody who had the expectations of the world put into putting out albums. And as you know, and as we've all discovered through what's happening now, good or bad with how music and art is being distributed into the world, um, if you do it for any other reason than what it makes you feel, and if it makes you feel honest, then you've won. Everything after that is a team. It's a village. It's a lot of people getting involved to just even get this interview to happen. Yeah. I did have six, you know, I had to cancel, which I apologize, but I had to cancel. I suddenly had this family thing and I never like canceling. I don't like flaking. I don't like any fucking stereotype that exists out there. Mm -hmm. I believe the rock and roll stereotype died in the 2000s. Some people still try to keep it alive. They might be uber successful or they just might be very, very sad when they go to sleep at night. Either way, it's done, you know? So we can throw away those bumper stickers. And I just like to be able to, all I do now after 20 years of doing this is try to get heard. I, I hope I 
get a playlist. I, I hope people get into this. I hope I realize there's 3000 releases a day. Mm -hmm. uh, I get, I get in my algorithm. Now I get um, companies saying, Hey, we can get you on Spotify playlists, pay us 80 bucks a month. And we're going to get you on these, these streaming playlists. And, and I look at them I'm like, Jesus, you know, there's now companies that are saying we we're going to, we're just going to do this. Give us this fund and we're going to get you in there. We're going to do that. And it, and for for a traditional, I'm a, you know, as I told you my age, I'm very traditional in how I, my first record was Crime of the Century, Super Tramp, you know? I can't, doesn't get more traditional than Dreamer. So, and my brother's was Blondie, Parallel Lines. So we kind of, and I remember getting jealous at one point going, shit, that might be the better record. <laughs> either way, um, Yes, it's a it's, different world. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And and putting this out, I didn't realize at this point I'd be catering to a very very tiny crew that hangs out with me on Instagram. I realize, as you know, I I think you know my dear friend slash publicist Jen. I talk to her now, and the conversations are crazy. We've been doing this together for so long, but we sit and we talk and. When she said to me, you're trying to win the week. And if you can't win the week, win the day. And social media is now the media. You know, you get off the phone and you sit there and you look out the window and you go, I've got this bolognese ambient music restaurant idea that I think I want to do now. You know, bolognese, ambient music, you pick the wine or bring your own bottle, you know? Simple, simple. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That th this is touching in on a very interesting topic. I've lived through that whole nineties, you know, post-punk, punk, post, but all like in Gainesville, it was a very kind of punk heavy scene, but in general, the ethos was so different than it is. Now. <laughs> like, it's sort of like selling out is like what you're supposed to do now. And that oh was God, like, you, you could. If you, if you could sell out, exactly. Like, nah, we don't want we don't want what you're selling. You're like, I'm trying to sell out here. Exactly. We're busy. We're busy. <laughs> that might be my favorite. Uh, that might be my favorite interpretation of of yeah. this era. Social media, just like you said, that is true. Social media, it's like unfortunately, it is the thing that like they don't even let you get very like connect certain things that you're doing musically if you don't have social media. Like you can't get on other things, you know, it's like, what? You just made it impossible. And so I see artists like obviously, you know, Lori Anderson and there's a, that, that have technically have social media, but it's obviously the label running it so that they can at least be topically like, oh, they will always be loved. They don't have to be on social media, but for whatever reason they do for the label side, like that's what it's become is like the labels have to connect to social media. I was scrolling and then suddenly John Taylor, is that his name from yeah. Duran Duran yeah. was suddenly in my feed telling me how to play a certain bass line. And I just thought, I can't. And I, I put my point, I went, wouldn't you just want to be chilling at that point? You know what I mean? Like, Hey, Duran Duran, man, so good. Seeing him, seeing a lot of the, the old guard get right into it and be a part of it. I find that it's a little difficult for me because mm. I find it difficult 
in general to get up there and be like, here's how to play this song or here's how to play that. So I remember thinking that I put the phone down and I looked at the window once again and I thought, because you, you have to be strong within yourself to give yourself away. Maybe John Taylor is a bit of a ham and kind of likes that he gets to, you never know, right? But I mean, maybe. It was great to see him. Yeah. I, I, but I maybe someone else, like in the band, is not and would never even be on Instagram. Like we're different. And yeah. that's the weird thing about homogenization with social media is as if like everyone has to fit this mold. That's what's difficult. It blows my mind. And I've said this before. All you need to do is just read a George Orwell book, put on a public enemy record and go, oh, shit. <laughs> shit. I didn't mind control. I didn't see it happen. And this whole, there's this whole new wave that's happening. It's a new system. You are not embracing it. It's not. It's not. It's corporate. And we've lost. We have lost. Now, I'm not being negative because I believe so much that there's so much beauty within all of this. And I completely buy into everyone should have the ability to be heard, seen, and felt. Um, but I do, I do sit on the side of the fence where once you accept that that's the way it is, then what are you doing it for? The whole point you're doing it is to change the way it is. So I'm a little tired today. I'm always tired. I, I sleep. I always wake up around 3.30, 4 o'clock, and I just think. And when I'm thinking, I think about all the systems in place. And I generally think about what kind of world we live in where art has been dismissed, where friends of ours, records aren't heard or films aren't seen or stories aren't read because of popularity and because of the inner sanctum of everyone's a winner baby. So within those notions, I keep thinking to myself, how are we doing as a society? And as I say that, I watch this divide just grow and grow and grow to the point of where I lost my passport almost a year ago and I have not gone back to the passport office, which is crazy. It's crazy. I travel for a living, but I can't seem to go back and renew my passport because I'm like, well, where am I going to go? Wherever you go, there you are. But wherever you go, it's there it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying all that. And it made me think about new systems, right? While you said art has been forsaken, right? And, it, and it's true to, in many ways. It is up to us just like uh, reading 1984 and listening to a Public Enemy album, it could wake us up in that moment, maintaining vigilance and intentionality. I will refer to that wonderful Bob Fosse film, Lenny, about Lenny Bruce. Mm. Because in these times, it takes a lot of strength. And I always remember that sort of last scene where I think maybe his mother was leaving and you know, it was Dustin Hoffman playing Lenny Bruce. And that's how I sort of discovered Lenny Bruce. I, I sort of, I knew of him, but I watched that film. I was such a cinema buff growing up when I was a kid. And watching him fight for his fundamental rights as a human being to perform and to 
and seeing how exhausted he got, I worry for for many of my peers in a way within these new times. And they're trying to find new systems and they're trying to find new things put into place. And greed has its way of just not even, it's not even sandpaper. It's just bye. It's just you just sort of get pushed out of the elevator, pushed out of the elevator. It's, it's full, it's full, it's full, it's full. And it does breed an exhaustion in many artists. Now, as I said before, I've never been happier. And I'm so grateful for putting this record out. And, and I, I see these little time, I, I, I truly believe it's ripples. Waves crash, they just go. Ripples keep going. And a friend of mine, Mona, recently said, yeah, and then you can get into currents and then you can get into deeper currents. And, and I do believe that that has its lasting effect. And I think with anything you do now, just because of our instant gratification learned behavior within the last two decades, the long game is the greatest game. So the efficiency of taking an idea and having it grow in your back pocket, bringing it out into the world and then showing it, birthing it and releasing it into daycare is super important, but we have to look out for each other because at the same time, there's the ageism aspect as you, as you grow and you, you want to make sure you're not sitting at, you know, at the porch looking back on your days too soon. And you also want to accept that if you are, well, what a beautiful thing that you can do that. You know, we both have people that are dead that aren't here. We have friends that left. We, you know, every day I, 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 you know, I had a, a few friends die in the last few years and it's just whenever I'm not feeling it or something's not working or this didn't happen, it's just that true nature of, well, you're here, you know, you're here, you're doing it. Yeah. You've got this and you can do anything. And that whole idea that anything is possible is true. And it's true amongst the privilege. It's true amongst the fortunate. And we have that task now to show all those others that that is the way it is. Because now oppression is a really big thing. It's like trauma, trauma and oppression. They're number one on the charts of human life right now. We're talking about trauma and we're talking about oppression. And that's what we're talking about. So within that, within being fortunate, privileged and, and being able to have been heard, given the chances that we've been given, Canadian government grants, all these things, it's upon us now to believe, well, if even if we're finished or we're looked upon as if this doesn't work or that doesn't work or, hey, it was a great time, whatever. We have the ability to take that glorious feeling and go and hand it around to those to show them that it's possible. Don't let this learn. Don't let the teachings. Don't let the that's the way it is. The learned behavior, all those things. We don't need to be a part of it. You don't need to be a part of it. You know, this ancestral bullshit that we've been taught to live with for so long. We don't fucking need it. And it's just that simple. Yeah. So to wrap up, the protest is every time you go to the mirror, you know, that's the fucking protest you want to attend. Are you being true? Yes, in the mirror, not out the window. My father said to me at one point, he, he became broken social scenes business manager in 2005 because he retired. I said, oh, thank God, we're blowing up. And I was doing the books. I said, can you help me? And then... Here we are now, 16 years later, and he's just my business manager and the band's business manager. And in terms of arts and crafts, 
He said, do you want to lose your, do you want to lose sleep over other people's career or your career? Cause you need to start to figure that out because it killed me when records didn't work that I brought or artists I brought to live. It fucking broke my fucking heart when I'd be like, this is incredible. Why is this not? And you get this little moment where you're hot in the phone. You just make a phone call. Doesn't matter. And then slowly as things don't work and things don't work and things don't work and things don't work, that determines that phone call, if they're picking it up or not. And for me, the most important phone call was the phone call to the artist. And when those started to become hard phone calls to make, it fucked me up. Yeah. Because I'm then because then I'm getting on stage with my band going, are you ready to let it go? Here we go. One, two, three. You know, five guitars. I can't fucking hear anything. I'm screaming. But it felt good. <laughs> I made a living out of it. And then I have to go and see bands that I believe in 100% not work, not connect, not land. And then I have to have, I have to have answers for that. I can't just say, well, and then so many people are like, well, that's, that's just how it is. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But I don't have any children, but I do know at some point fatherhood kicks in and you have to become a scientist. You have to be like, well, there's no monsters under the bed and there's no ghosts because I need your kids to get to sleep. So I approach that with how records don't work. I'm like, well, I need to, I need to somehow have answers for the passion that is currently turning these, you know, four characters into a depressed fucking soggy pillow. I need to help them out. Kevin Drew, how did music find you? Uh, ACDC. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Boom, we're done. Uh, how did music find me? I honestly can answer that. I, I was singing a song about a rainy day and how I love it. And I was singing it and singing it when I was a kid. And I was very, very young, maybe three years old, four years old. And I just started singing the song a lot. And my parents noticed and, and I just kept doing it. So one day we were in their car and my parents played me the song I was singing. And I went into shock because I thought it was my song but it was I Love a Rainy Day by Eddie Rabbit. So obviously I had heard it. And then I was not developed enough to know, first of all, the neurological ways of your subconscious taking in information, but I thought it was my tune to the point of where I got really freaked out and my parents had to explain to me, no, you, you, you've heard this before, but I... I Remember in this memory, because I have spoken about this memory before, that I really thought that I had written that was my song that I was singing, just like I love rainy days. So that was the first time that I had got into like a copyright battle slash war with. <laughs> and that's kind of how music found me. It was about who wrote the song and how it found me was it had such a neurological influence to me influence on me that I realized that that was that was what was going to be my life I knew it 
I knew from that point forward. And then I had a drum set when I was like a little paper drum set. I had instruments. I had kids come to the house and we would play with the vacuum cleaners and the tennis rackets. And it was always DC. It was always Bon Scott, ACDC. Um, and I was doing what I do now before I was six years old. So music found me, I guess, through the neurological imprint of your subconscious taking in what we see, feel, hear, even taste on a daily basis. And that was the first time I realized what that was, mm. being influenced. Did you fucking see how I brought, did you see how I brought that back? Did you see how I did that? Yeah. <laughs> ACDC and then whoa. And the, don't forget my record's called Influences. I just brought back. And that's what the fucking record's about, Rain. It's about, I didn't write this record. It's a vessel record. It was written long before I came to it. And it's about all the things that happened in my life, but it's about everything I listened to. And I put my individuality into it. So I'm a big believer in it's hard to patent life. Hi, I'm Kevin Drew. I'm so happy to be on Launch Left. You're about to hear my song, Dooms Dive. Enjoy yourselves. I love you.
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. 